I'm preaching this morning on the subject, who is that knocking at your door? Let's pray together one more time. Father, I do thank you for the Spirit of God that we already sense and have experienced in this place today. I thank you for each person who has chosen to be here. And I pray especially now for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl that's in this building that's nearest to hell. I pray they'll come to Christ today and be saved. Holy Spirit of God, walk up and down these aisles in and out these seats. And when the invitation's extended in a few moments, may there be a freedom for people to respond to your call to this altar and come to Christ. May your perfect will be accomplished. May the name of Jesus be honored. In his name I pray and all God's people say, amen. Have you ever had someone come to your door and knock on your door? But before you go and open up that door, you walk over and you peep out the blinds. And the reason you peep out the blinds is because you want to know who's knocking at that door. And the reason you want to know who's knocking at that door is because you're going to make up your mind whether or not you're going to open up that door. Have you ever done that? Well, sure, we've all done that. And in these days, you better know who's knocking at that door before you open up that door. Through the years, there have been many times that I've gone out and knocked on doors, and I was not prepared for what was going to happen when the door opened. Several years ago, I was out visiting one Saturday morning with one of my deacons, and we were canvassing an apartment complex. And I went and I knocked on the door, and this little high-pitched man's voice came back and said, Open the door and come on in. Now, I don't open the door. I want them to open the door for me. And so I looked over to my deacon friend to get instructions. And my deacon friend looked back to me and he said, I don't know. And so I knocked on the door again. And again, the little high-pitched man's voice came back and said, I said, open the door and come on in. And again, I looked over to my deacon friend to get instructions. And my deacon friend looked back to me and he said, have at it, preach. (laughs) And so I opened up the door. And when I opened up the door, I was not prepared for what was going to happen. On the other side of that door was a little fellow, about 5'3", 5'4". He was barefooted. He had on a cut-off pair of blue jeans and a T-shirt on. And he was squatted down like this, and he had a gun right in my face. And I thought, oh, Lord, Elizabeth, this is the big one. I'm coming home. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, he looked at me, and he pointed his gun, and he said, bang, bang. And water went all over my face. Now, I was not prepared for what happened when I knocked on that door. In the Bible, there are three definite knocks. And each one of these knocks have a very definite meaning for us. Let me show them to you. Number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. Look now over to Luke chapter 11, verse 9 and verse 10. Luke 11, 9 and 10. Jesus said, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Now, here it is. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be.
be opened. There is a knock that is never in vain. Jesus said there is a door. And if any person at any time will come and knock on that door, that door will be opened. That simply means that any person who wants to be saved can be saved. As far as God is concerned, there is no reason for any person to walk out of this room today lost without Christ. Jesus said, knock and it shall be open. Now we know that statement is true for at least three reasons. First of all, the Word of God declares it. No matter where you open up the Bible, you're going to find the grace of God walking out to meet you. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, the Spirit of God says, Knock, and it shall be open." And then the second reason we know that statement is true is because the Son of God declares Himself to be that door. Jesus said in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. That simply means if you'll come to Jesus today, he'll save you. And then the third reason we know that statement is true is because the people of God can testify that there was a time and there was a place that they came and they knocked on that door and God opened that door and God saved their soul. How many of you can testify today that there was a time and there was a place that you came and you knocked on that door and God opened that door and God saved your soul. Amen? And so, number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. Number two, there is a knock that is often in vain. Look now over to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And here we find Jesus standing at the door And Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door. And here it is. And knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. There is a knock that is often in vain. Now, there are three things I want you to notice about that knock. Notice, first of all, the man who is knocking. What you have here is a picture of Jesus. It's Jesus standing at the door and he's knocking. No doubt, many of you have seen that beautiful painting by Holman Hunt where Christ is standing at the door. How many of you have seen that beautiful painting? And the one thing that jumps out to you when you look at that painting is this. There is no doorknob, there's no door handle on the outside of that door. That's a very important scriptural truth that lets you know that God will never force his way into your life. That Jesus will never kick in the door. That if that door is ever going to be open, it must be open from the inside. That's a very important scriptural truth. But in that painting, the artist misbetrayed something. He pictured Jesus there as a humble shepherd. But if you look at the context, and you look back to Revelation 1, 13 through 16, don't look at it now, but look at it later you're going to discover that the Jesus that is riding to those seven churches and the Jesus that's standing at that door and knocking, he is not a namsy, pamsy, weak Jesus. But the Jesus that's knocking at that door is God Almighty. He is the God of glory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As you said here today, and Jesus comes and he knocks at your heart's door, 
He's not knocking there as a humble shepherd, but rather he is knocking as God Almighty. That's the man who is knocking. And then notice the methods that he uses when he knocks. You know, as I look through the Bible, I discover there are two basic methods that Jesus will come and knock with. First of all, he knocks with blessings. If you look back to Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Look up here. God's a good God. Amen? Listen, you ought to get saved today. You ought to come to Christ today. You ought to get right with God today because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. That's the way God desires it to be. Now, if you don't hear anything else, hear that. God's a good God. You see, when God is being good to you, when God puts a roof over your head and God says, I put clothes on your back, I put food on your table, I've given you a good husband, I've given you a good wife, I've given you good children, I've given you good friends, please let me in. When God is blessing you, when God is being good to you, that's God saying, I want to save you. Please let me in. You say, now, preacher, God's good to everybody. That's right. God wants everybody to be saved. So many people don't understand that. They think that when everything is going good with them, that they don't need God. That God is pleased with them. Oh, no, you missed it. God is being good to you. God's blessing you because he's saying, I want to save you. And so he comes knocking with blessings. But if you will not open up your heart's door when he knocks with blessings, then he'll come knocking with burdens. Look on down there in Romans chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, But unto them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. If you will not open up your heart's door when he knocks with blessings, then he'll come knocking with burdens. Have you ever heard anyone stand up and give this testimony? I was in an automobile accident. And as a result of that accident, I gave my heart to Christ. Listen, that was no accident. That was God getting that person's attention saying, you need me. Some of you are going through family problems today. That's God saying you need me. Some of you are going through financial difficulties. That's God saying you need me. You find yourself there on that sick bed looking up into the face of God. That's God saying, you need me. If you will not open up your heart's door when he comes knocking with blessings, then he'll come knocking with burdens. Listen, some of you, God's taken a two-before and hit you over the head with it. And you say, duh. I just can't understand why I'm having all these problems. Bubba, wake up. That's God saying, you need me. Let me save you. You see, those are not happen chances. 
but rather those are divine appointments that God is allowing to come into your life saying, you need me, let me save you. And then notice thirdly about this knock, not only the man and not only the methods, but also notice the missing of the knock. Now look back there again in Revelation 3 verse 20. Notice the verbs that are used in this verse. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. Uh, Brother, you may be a Greek scholar. I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not. But I do know certain things about the language. And I do know how to use certain tools to understand more what's being said. And the Tenses of the verbs there are very, very important. I mean, when Jesus says, Behold, I stand, that's in the perfect active tense. And he says, And knock, that's in the present active tense. Now, aren't you impressed? You say, Wow, so what? Well, here's what that means Jesus says, Behold, I stand. I've taken my stand, and it has everlasting, eternal consequences. And I knock, 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 and I I keep on knocking. So many people don't understand that. They say, oh, I understand that Jesus will knock when we come to church on Sunday morning. He'll knock when we sing the praise songs and, and we go through our worship time. We know that he'll knock when the preacher reads the Bible or when the preacher preaches or when the invitation's extended. But they have the idea that when they walk out those doors that he stops knocking. Oh, no! Yes, he will knock when the invitation's extended. But let me tell you, when you walk out those doors, he's still knocking. When you get in your car, he's still knocking. When you go home this afternoon, he's still knocking. When you go to work tomorrow, go to school tomorrow, he's still knocking. You say, well, I just don't sense that. Well, let me explain it to you like this. Right now, as we've gathered in here, we've got our ears on. Amen? I mean, we're tuned in to hear from God. But when we walk out those doors... There's so much noise out there. There's so much racket out there. I mean, we'll get in the car, turn on the radio, put in a CD, go home this afternoon, turn on the television. I started to say Alabama loses again, but they don't ever lose. Tennessee does. NASCAR's about ready to crank up. Yeah! I mean, we go to school tomorrow, people are talking, people are laughing. We go to work tomorrow, people are talking, people are laughing. But let me tell you, Jesus has taken his stand. And he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking, and he's knocking. And he's going to keep on knocking until one of two things takes place. Either you go and you open up that door. And you ask him to come in. Or the day may come when he'll stop knocking. And he'll turn and walk away. 
And then you'll be able to come to a service like this, not be troubled, not be bothered. You say, oh, everything's okay now. No, the worst of all things has happened. You crossed over that deadline, and he'll never knock again. Lost friend, how do you get Jesus into your heart? When he comes and he knocks, you go to that door, and through repentance and faith, you open up that door, and you ask him to come in, and he'll come in, and he'll save you. Number one, there is a knock that is never in vain. Number two, there is a knock that is often in vain. And then number three, there is a knock that is always in vain. Lost friend, there can come a time when it will be too late to be saved. Too late to be forgiven. Too late to come to Christ. Look now on over to Luke chapter 13, beginning there in verse 22. Luke 13, beginning in verse 22. The Bible says, and he, that is Christ, went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without, now here it is, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence you are. There is a knock that is always in vain. Jesus said there's going to come a day when some are going to come and knock at heaven's door. And they're going to say, Lord, did not I eat and drink in your presence? Did not I preach in your name? Did not I sing in your name? Did not I teach in your name? Lord, did not I do this? Did not I do that? And the Lord is going to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. And the Bible says the door is shut. Now, when God shuts the door, you're a goner. When God shuts the door, there's no hope. Question. How can that door be shut? Let me give you three ways real quick of how the door can be shut. Number one, the door can be shut by death. When a person dies lost, there will be no more opportunities for them to be saved. You're either saved in this life or you'll never be saved. There are no second or third or fourth opportunities after death to be saved. There is no purgatory out there. You're either saved in this life or you'll never be saved. And the truth of the matter is, we don't know when we're going to die. One of my favorite philosophers is Yogi Berra. How many of y'all know who Yogi Berra is? Okay, all the old people. You know Yogi Berra, the baseball man? He's got 10 World Series rings. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But even more famous than being a baseball man, he is famous for his yogiisms. The little statements that he makes. I love to read yogi, Brother Ed. I, I mean, that sort of gives you a little who I am. I love to read yogi. And uh, 
Yogi made this comment one time. He said, you better go to other people's funerals because they might not come to yours. Now, hold on to that. It'll it'll get you in a minute. And then it said that Yogi uh, ordered a pizza a while back, and he went to the pizza place to pick up the pizza. And when he got there, the pizza man said, Now, I've not cut up your pizza yet. Did you want that pizza cut up in six pieces or 12 pieces? Yogi thought for a few moments. He said, Well, you better cut it up in six pieces. I'm not real sure I can eat 12. And then Yogi made the statement. He said, I know one day I'm going to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) Well, Yogi, you're going to be there. You can't get away from it. Every one of us have an appointment with death if Jesus tarries his coming. Amen? Listen, there have been people who have set in the very place you're sitting in right now. And Jesus came and knocked at their heart's door, and they said no. And they walked out those doors, and they died. And they're in hell today. And then the second way the door can be shut is through the second coming of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, Jesus is coming again. As I look at what's taking place in the world today, I believe his his coming is very near. Amen? Even so come, Lord Jesus. You said here today and you're not saved and Jesus comes and he knocks at your heart's door and you say no. If Jesus were to come this afternoon, all of us who are saved, we'd go to be with Jesus, amen? But if you're lost, you'd be left behind. You'd be cast in the great tribulation, deceived by the Antichrist and ultimately be doomed to hell forever. You say, whoa, wait a minute, preacher. You know, there's a new film, a new movie that indicates that, you know, when Jesus comes, there's going to be many saved during that tribulation time. Well, I've got a word for you. It won't be you. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10, and 11. That if they will not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. That God will send them strong delusions that they will believe literally the lie, the Antichrist, that they might be damned. You know what that means? If you won't get saved in a place like this, where the love of God is so real. Listen, God's love is here today, amen? God's grace is in this place today. I mean, the love of God is walking up and down these aisles. The grace of God is moving in and out these seats. If you won't get saved in a place like this today, where the love of God is so real and the grace of God is so real, you won't get saved when judgment begins to fall. And then the third way that door can be shut is by you crossing over God's deadline and you sinning away your dead grace. Let me me illustrate it this way. Let's suppose. Brother S.L., you and I go out this afternoon and We make some visits. We go over here and we knock on a door. They run over and they peep out the blinds. They say, it's those old preachers out there. I mean, it's those old preachers out there. That don't look so pious. You've done him that way. And they don't answer the door. 
And I look and I say, uh, maybe they're not dressed. Uh, maybe the house is a little messed up. They'd be embarrassed to have us come in. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go on and make some more visits. And we'll come back after a while. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours later, we go back and we knock on the door again. Same thing. Same thing. And I look over and I say, Pastor, I just don't believe they want us, do you? And we turn and walk away. Some of you, ever since you were a little boy, a little girl, Jesus has had his finger around your heart. And he's been knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. And you've been saying, no, no, no. Friend, you can say no one time too many and cross over God's deadline and you're just as sure as hell as if you're already there. Romans 1.24, and God gave them up. Romans 1.26, and God gave them up. Romans 1.28, and God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You may be here today and you're lost. And the Spirit of God is going to knock at your heart's door and you're going to say no. It may be that you'll walk out those doors and the Holy Ghost will sign your death warrant and take his flight and never knock again. You say, I'll preach Whenever I get ready to get saved, I'll get saved. No, you won't. You'll only get saved when the Holy Ghost calls you. Genesis 6.3 says, My spirit shall not always strive with a man. I was preaching a few years ago in southern Ohio, Mount Oreb, Ohio, out in a fairgrounds. There was a set of bleachers there, and I was on a stand out in front of the set of bleachers. And every night there was an older gentleman that sat right over here on this side. Now, he didn't sit in the uh, bleachers. He sat in a lawn chair every night. He brought a lawn chair and he sat there every night. On Friday night, the closing night of the crusade, when everything was over, he came to me and he looked at me and he said, Preacher, he said, I took that step tonight. I said, Good, great. I thought he got saved, wouldn't you? I said, Good, great. He said, Oh, no, Preacher. He said, I took that step tonight. And I crossed God's deadline, and I'm going to hell. He said, I took that step tonight, and I crossed God's deadline, and I'm going to hell. You remember the first time that Jesus knocked at your heart's door? I'm not talking about the first time you heard about Jesus. But I'm talking about, you remember the first time that you really knew the Spirit of God was calling you to be saved? I mean, the first time that you really heard him knocking, you remember how hard he was knocking? I mean, there was no doubt about it. It was Jesus. He was knocking. He was saying, let me save you. Let me come in your heart. And you said no. And then the next time he came and he knocked. But he didn't knock nearly as hard and nearly as loud. And as you said here this morning, you can barely hear him knock. Oh, listen, you'd better come while he's still knocking. 
Because the day may come when the Holy Ghost will stop knocking and take his flight and never knock again. Lost friend, do you hear Jesus knocking at your heart's door right now? Do you hear that knock? Is he knocking? What are you going to do? Oh, listen, won't you go to your heart's door today and through repentance and faith, open up that door and ask him to come in. And he'll come in and he'll save you.